Thanks for downloading this podcast. It's for personal use only and must not be broadcast, reproduced or used in any form without permission. Tell your friends they can get their own copy wherever they get their podcasts. The Hancock International Endurance Series on RS1. On RS1. Part of the Radio Show Limited Network. It's the 12 hours of Circuit Paul Ricard for 2021. This is round two of the 24H series and round three when you factor in the Dubai 24 hours at the start of the international campaign as well. It's actually the fourth time we would have been to Paul Ricard, but the first time we're racing over 12 hours and in one long chunk from 10 o'clock tomorrow morning through till obviously 10 at night. But we still have 30 minutes of qualifying to happen now or in the next three minutes for the GT Series cars. And then after a fairly lengthy pause, night practice scheduled tonight for 8 o'clock through till 10, which obviously gives people uh, a good idea of the amount of lack of daylight that we will have for the final two hours uh, tomorrow evening. My name's Johnny Palmer. You're listening to RS1, part of the Radio Show Limited network of channels. We're on the live stream, of course, as well, perfectly with sound and vision um, synced. And a reminder of where we've been and where we're going in 2021. Dubai, at the start of the year in January, as mentioned, four weeks ago we were in Italy at the 12 hours of Mugello, Fairly close, actually, to last year's version of that race, which was held in the autumn of 2020, but it returned to its traditional March date for this season. Here at Paul Ricard this weekend, then in about four weeks' time in May, it'll be the 12 hours of the Hockenheim ring. Portimao for a 24-hour race on the, in the south of that country, on the very close to the Atlantic coast for the 16th, 17th and 18th of July. The traditional start of September, 24 hours of Barcelona for GT and touring cars. Coppa Florio in the 12 hours of Sicily for its second running at the start of October. And Sebring on the famous concrete in Florida for the 24 hours in November. So a stonking calendar arranged for the rest of the season. Uh, we'll join Joe Bradley in just a tick to run us through the GT Series qualifying. But let's hear from Lucas Gajewski first, who's in the pit lane. Well, actually, Johnny, I'm now looking down onto the pit lane from the top step of the podium, especially from the number one. This is where everybody wants to be tomorrow night for a reason, because I understand it has been quite a lot of trouble for some of the teams to actually get here for various international travel restrictions. And I think hats off to all the teams who have made their way to Paul Ricard to fight for the honor overall and in the classes as, as well. It's going to be a good one. I'm now going to jump, my goodness, and head down there into the pit lane to see what it's like in GT qualifying. We've seen Herbert Motorsport dominating the GT class over the past few years here at Circuit Paul Ricard, although they have never been too far to the front in qualifying. Let's see what happens today. That jump from the top of the podium to the ground level of the podium probably felt a lot higher than it was because, Joe, it was a bit of a matter of feet, wasn't it? He didn't need to be too spooked by that. Luke, Lucas is setting the benchmark high for my return to the pit lane. I'm not going to be jumping off high things and stuff. And uh, Is he going to leap down into the pit lane or abseil down? That would, that would be a... A feet worth you can filming. Be, you can be an all-terrain runner. You know those guys that <laughs> scale uh, skyscrapers? That's your next Rig- gig in the pit lane, definitely. Bringing in parkour for uh, for pit lane commentators, <laughs> yeah. Um, we're getting the GTs underway, Johnny, as, as Lucas said. Um, 
GT3 Am is the category that's going to run at the front of this field. We've got no GT3 Pro uh, class runners this weekend. Everybody choosing to go to the Am class. Got eight in that GT3 Am class. Got four GTX cars, three 991 cars, and two GT4 cars. Now, it might be a, a good time, while this session's just getting started, to give an idea of what we mean by those classes. And uh, GT3 are basically homologated cars such as the Mercedes AMG GT, the Porsche uh, 911, uh, the Audi R8. They're basically homologated cars to the GT3 uh, specification of class. GTX, they are special GT and silhouette cars. 991 class are basically 991 Cup, the Porsche Cup class that run pretty much worldwide. They're a very successful Porsche category of racing throughout the world. And then GT4, as it says on the tin, basically cars homologated to the FIA GT4 uh, homologation standards. And we've just seen out on track the TCR class are TCR cars, homologated cars to that FIA uh, class standard. And TCX, a little bit similar to GTX, but uh, special touring cars, pardon me, and silhouette cars running in TCX. So that's what we're going to be uh, talking about pretty much for the next 48 hours, isn't it? We're going to be talking about these classes, but right now it's all about the GT race, isn't it? It is, and a good opportunity if you have managed to find not only our radio coverage, but also synced up to the visuals on the Radio Show Limited website, then you can enjoy an onboard round courtesy of Milan Doncha in the number 88 car collection motorsport Audi so heading through turn three four and five now the lap kick starts with quite a high speed left and right faster than a chicane it's a more of an s-bend but you need to make sure that you're probably single file by that point now this is the point where you really let the car do its stuff pull for several more gears through third fourth and probably fifth gear now yet through six and seven with the chicane in sight and it's roughly where that overbridge is that you think about hitting the brakes now and get the car over to the right hand side notice that Milan misses that first curb on the left but he gets well over the next two curbs on the right and the left that then blend you back in and the slight uphill straight of Mistral so dead straight but a slight incline and this is the famous senior corner named after the nearby village you're not approaching that quite as quickly as you might have been on, on a full version of the straight of Mistral, but it's still a, a decent lick. And the rumble underneath the Audi is, again, the red and white abrasive curbing, which you can afford to take plenty off during a qualifying lap, but lots of that during a race will really start to punish the tyres. The double droite is where Milan Dodge has just gone through. Now this long, lingering right-hander into Virage du Lac, named after the lake, just off to driver's right. And Virage du Pont, because this is the bridge, it's not obvious when you're racing the cars, but the underbridge, the, the underroad rather, that goes underneath the circuit to access the paddock is right beneath turn 14 there, Virage du Pont. Over the line goes Milan Doncha. Be useful to get a time actually on that lap as well. It's the first completed lap time, in fact, Joe of the session, a 207.271 from the young Dutchman. Yeah, almost immediately that uh, time 
Schultz is down as Marco Fretzer in the number eight has gone to a two or three point seven. And uh, Marco going a full two seconds quicker on the outlap there. Um, we saw there, Johnny, the nature of this track. And uh, I mentioned this when we were in our TCE qualifying about how the, the, the whole of this circuit, the way that the, the corners blend and you have to compromise from one to another. And, and circuit knowledge is of paramount importance. Um, it's all about knowing the track and where to turn in. And also, there's a lot of braking and turning at the same time here at Paul Ricard. And race cars do not like braking and turning, especially uh, cars like the T3 cars, I, you know, the, the, the high-class sports car uh, category of GT3. These cars, not easy to drive, uh, but not that difficult to drive once you get your, your head rounded and grab a bit of experience and get that under your belt. But it's been deliberately designed because of the, the test track format of, of Ricard these days to kind of incorporate every single type of corner uh, possible. And uh, the sequence through three, four and five is, as Joe says, all about rotating the car on a relatively short space. And you have to get through a near enough right, a 90 degree right hander followed by a similar angled left hander and then five and six can be very awkward indeed but they're so important to getting a good exit ultimately out of six and seven and then onto the Mistral straight because high speeds down that section either side of the chicane are so important for a good lap time a little bit of a slow vortex I noticed a second ago I think that might be maybe just trying to get a bit of track space two vortex entered <coughs> excuse me entered into the race uh, Olivier Gomez in the Number 701, and you've got the 712 of Pierre Fontaine. Both Vortex 101s uh, entered by the Vortex V8 team as the number eight Marco Fretzer-driven Ferrari heads across the line. Same paint job as we saw that Kessel Racing Ferrari in at Mugello for the 12 hours. And Kessel Racing, the Swiss team, but running very Italian Ferraris, vastly experienced in GT3 racing particularly, but also... Uh, in more recent years in GTEs as well. Kessel Racing have become uh, more of a fixture at the 24 Hours of Le Mans and in championships like the European Le Mans Series and the World Endurance Championship. But on for more familiar ground with the GT3 machinery this weekend. GT3s, the difference between a GTE and a GT3 is that uh, fuel tax sizes, but also these cars carry ABS, which means that you can hit that middle brake pedal uh, as hard as you like into the slower speed corners around here and theoretically the computer on board will deal with that pressure and prevent the wheels from locking up but uh, it does require a slightly different driving style if you're coming in from those cars that don't carry that driver aid they also have uh, traction control as well and it's also get, get, getting your head round being able to pound that brake pedal as hard as you can yeah and use the ABS it's very hard to get your head around when you first because normally it's it's the feeling that you have to have for stopping the, the wheels lock is something that race drivers actually you know get attuned to and uh, I've heard many drivers talk about their first run in a GT3 car very hard to get the confidence to just absolutely smash that brake pedal and let the ABS do all the work yeah and have faith that uh the systems will kick in as your brain is telling you they will absolutely will not. Uh, and so it is a bit of a leap of faith, certainly for the first few laps. But a number of drivers in the entry this weekend have probably 
a decade or more experience of driving these cars and similar. So that won't be a necessary part of their tuning for the weekend. But qualifying is to a certain extent. Now, again, these cars have taken part in a 90-minute practice session. Uh, there were also, Joe, three private tests even before the meeting properly started. Uh, and they were optional um, and more budget required for them. But uh, one or two takers, including at least one team, taking out their spare car, I was hearing as well. So uh, no restriction, I think even on tyres, even though obviously we're powered by Hankook uh, as part of the 24H series, when you're running a private test session, you can more or less run what you're wrong as far as tyres are concerned. There is one thing you get with the Creventic series and the 24H series, and that's uh, a value for money with regards to track time and seat time. And it's perhaps ideal for the amateur racer who, after all, you know, we talk about this a lot, don't we? The, the majority of our arm drivers, this is their weekend off. This is their downtime. They're, you know, during the week, they're, they're running their business uh, or, or, you know, doing having a what we call a proper job. Um, and this is their downtime. And so, you know, they, they want to maximise that time and something that prevents is a lot of sessions where you can get a lot of track time. And that's perfect for... If, you know, if you're a, a driver coach and you're racing with uh, a chap that you are mentoring and, and coaching, it gives you plenty of opportunity to kind of get in the groove and, and break away from that that maybe, you know, running the business, the office mentality and switching it on to being a racing driver for the weekend. Two minutes, 2.9 for the, I think that's the first flying lap uh, from Joseph Kral in the middle cap racing with Scuderia Praha Ferrari there. I think you're right. And I'm now remembering back to free practice this morning when Joseph was fastest. He did a 2.03.366. So we're already faster than the fastest time in free practice this morning and um, by a significant uh, four tenths, four tenths faster. Uh, and that uh, is indicative, I think, of Yosef being in full qualifying mode this time rather than maybe some race simulations that uh, would have been done in free practice or stint simulations being done in free practice earlier today. So the order at the moment, the top three, 11 Ferrari, Yosef Kral from Middle Cap Racing, 18 Pierre Caffer driven Rutronic Racing Audi and in third position Marco Fretz's Ferrari from Kessel Racing as we head to Lucas Kajewski in the pits. Yes, one car is actually missing from the running and qualifying. It's this car, the number 401 Pro Sport Aston Martin of the GT4 class. This is Felix from the Pro Sport team. Felix, please tell us what happened to the car earlier today. Yeah, this is actually the car we're using now for the race. Um, our, our other car got hit by another car in the free practice. Um, yeah, due to that, uh, we had uh, a failure of the oil cooler, so the engine broke down, and uh, now we had to swap cars. The guys are working hard on it, and uh, I hope they're going to get it fixed by um, this evening for the night session. And would it have been possible to fix the other car in case you wouldn't have the second one with you? Uh, again, please. If you don't have the second car with you, would it, would it have been possible to fix the original car? Um, no, probably not, because the engine is completely gone, so we, we are relying on the spare car. Right. And can you fill us in on the regulations that will now apply after you haven't done qualifying? Yeah, we, we're going to do a request so that we can start, um, apart from taking the... Uh, the qualifying and uh, they already told us that's going to be possible so yeah we are pretty much set for the race 
Felix, thank you very much and hope to see the car out on track in the night practice tonight. Thank you. Back to you guys. I should make the point, Joe, that Lucas and Felix are speaking in their second language there. It would be much, much easier for them just to break <laughs> out into German. But uh, brilliant uh, question asking there, even when, he, when uh, Lucas was asked to rephrase it. And it was a, a moot point as well because I spoke, Joe, about a couple of teams turning up with spare cars. Well, thank goodness Pro Sport mm. have done. Yeah, indeed. And, and, and off the back of what I was just saying about the advantage of having all that track time, well, also, you know, we're asking a lot of these, uh, the, the, the drivers here this weekend to drive on the limit and have all this track time and not expect anything adverse to happen. And of course, it can. It's not all about, you know, being positive. We, we, we keep the positive slant on the amount of track times available, but also that brings more opportunity for adverse issues to present themselves. And thankfully, the Pro Sport team have come well prepared with a spare. Uh, I'm sure they didn't have that in mind. I'm sure that was uh, that was just for sitting background. But uh, I'm very pleased indeed whoever made that decision to bring the second car. Well, the benefit of hindsight, very, very happy that they've done so. And uh, obviously, it's going to be, an, be a lot of work and presumably missing out qualifying and, and well... Possibly not night practice. They could almost use a bit of that night practice to see what times they are capable of in the other 401 car. That's the reason why they're numbered the same. There was never any intention to run the two in the race at the same time. Um, and the idea, I suppose, is that you get double the data from the pri private test sessions. Uh, but uh, a massive insurance policy, thank goodness, when they were involved in an incident that Felix from the team suggested wasn't actually any of their making. Robert Renauer installed into the number 91 Porsche for Herbert Motorsport. Herbert with two cars in the race and the 92 that has been qualified by Marco Seafried in the opening exchanges is back in the pit lane. But Robert Renauer, as we head into the second half now of this 30-minute qualifying session, is the quickest car out there, a 202.6 from Josef Kral's 202.8, so a tenth and a half between the Porsche and the Ferrari. Marco Fretzer's Kessel Racing 488, third quickest. And a Porsche GT3 car, that one from Herbert Motorsport, just managed to die, die, dive past a Carrera Cup machine from the 991 division. That may well have been Andre Mukovoz for uh, Luxembourgish team Duvo Racing. It was the 978, in fact, of Dominic Bastian. So Bastian in the speed lover Porsche from Belgium. American driver, though, 978. That car is currently third in the 991 class and 15th when you factor all the other GT cars in. So one or two choosing to make a stop at roughly half distance, possibly to take on a fresh set of Hankook tyres. These tyres designed to be very durable across an hour-long stint that we get in the GT3 class, but uh, their peak performance for qualifying tends to tail off after sort of three or four laps, so best to dive into the pits, get another set, and push hard again. And the, the drivers will be aware of that, Johnny. They will be aware that you will get a, an, an opportunity for what will be an optimum lap before the tyres then get set in. So you'll, you'll see cars go out, and it's down 
a lot of pressure on the driver to get it right. You, you'll do your outlap and maybe the, the tyre will be optimised on lap two, maybe it's on lap three or maybe on lap four. The teams will know this off previous running. Take into account the, uh, the, the the ambient temperature, track conditions, the low fuel. It all it all kind of they're all elements that you have to consider. And the drivers will there'll be some drivers, of course, especially in the AM classes, that I've worked with drivers who can go out and absolutely nail it on that third lap. You tell them the tire will be optimized on lap three. That's where you must get everything right. And then you have other drivers, particularly AM drivers who will go out and they will just go faster and faster and faster every lap and they'll just go get into it and, it'll, and it, that will have nothing to do with the optimization of it. it's more of an optimization of themselves and getting confidence and and just you know learning the craft as they as they get into the session yeah so and we're certainly in that mix aren't we here at uh, I, th- I think I think that is the nature of a, of a Ron's driver a lot of the time is that they need just a few laps to get up to temperature, get into the the sweet spot of being able to produce a good lap time, whereas your, your platinum and gold drivers, or in this championship, pros, and to a certain extent semi-pros, can just go out and do a quick lap on any lap that their engineer has asked them to do, uh, whereas the bronze just takes a bit of warming up, uh, and, and that's a bit of building up your faith as well in, in the car's ability and the tyre's ability, and in your own driving ability too, because you may only be doing five or six races a year, and if it's been four weeks, for example, since you've last raced in the Mugello 12 hours, it just takes a little bit to knock those cobwebs away. 11 and a half minutes to go of a 30-minute session. Robert Renauer, yep. who was an Asian Le Mans Series champion earlier this year with Precote Herbert Motorsport, about to come across the line with something a bit special here, Joe. He's done two yep. absolute best to make that three through the various sectors and a 202.435 is his reward. That puts him nearly four tenths clear of everybody else. I was I was noticing that Johnny, as you were mentioning it too. And sector one, we saw the per- the, the timing screen lit up in purple. Sector two, it lit up in purple, which means the fastest overall in those sectors. And then again, sector three lit up purple. Two minutes, two point four. He's extended that lead to just under four tenths. That's that's a that's a big ask for any team to find four tenths. Once again, it's all going to be uh, it's all going to be forgotten by the time we're into lap ten tomorrow afternoon. But right now, it's great to see these great teams at the front of the field: Herbert Motorsport, Middle Cap Racing with Scuderia Praha and Kessel. And let's not forget Retronic. They're they're Audi with the legend that is Pierre Kaffer in yeah. the car at the moment. Yes, he's just come in and gone back out again after a slight adjustment. You, One of the teams you just mentioned there, Joe, Kessel Racing. Let's get an update from them with Lucas. Uh, yes, guys, over there you can see the car. New tyres have just been fitted. It was interesting to watch because over there you can see the team watching all the screens, the lap times and, of course, the circuit cameras. And they all waited for the Herbert Porsche to cross the line. And about half a second after they set provisional pole position, all the mechanics disappeared down there into the uh, pit area to get some set of new tyres, which is uh, now on the car. And I think we're going to see Josef Kral out. There he goes. So, apologies, that was my mistake. Not Kessel Racing. Middle Cat Racing with Scuderia Praha, in fact. Although both, Ferrari, both uh, those Ferraris are close together on the screen. Marco Fretz is going to go out as well in the eight car. But Josef Kral may be thinking he'd done enough before Robert Renauer put in that 202.4.
and it means that certainly middle cap racing will have to go back out again to uh, to offer something else marco fretzer likewise returning to the racetrack pierre kaffer we've already said is on an outlap as well and robert renauer on the flip side despite going even faster joe on that inlap certainly through the first sector decided to bail on that and uh, heads perhaps for fueling yeah, I think so. Um, it's showing in the pits, Johnny. Yeah, so maybe he's just gone straight to the come, team. Yeah, maybe he's just thought the tyres. If I'm going to go quicker, I'm going to need some fresh Hankook rubber. Um, and as I say that, there's a car off track. It looks like the Vortex uh, down in 10th overall, 701, just pulling off to driver's left as they come onto the Mistral. Now he pulls the car across, all the way across the track and out of arms way onto driver's right, which is on the the outside of that sweeping left-hander onto the Mistral and uh, very sensibly pulling the car well out of the way behind the barrier. Um, so I'm not sure whether that's going to cause anybody a problem, Johnny, and whether we're, whether or not we'll see uh, a slight stoppage of this qualifying session with only, what, uh, eight minutes remaining? Yes, you did very well IDing that Vortex, considering there are two of them. But 7.01, it exactly was. Olivier Gomez, I think the other one, conveniently for us, it's painted in exactly the same colours, the 712 for <laughs> Philippe Bonnell. So that, that'll keep us on our toes, particularly when it gets dark. Uh, 13th position for Bonnell, and uh, the quicker of the two, sadly, looks to be out of the session now, touring to the right-hand side of the Mistral straight. Robert Renard in the pits. Team have descended on the car. Marco Seafried starts a quick lap, and it's quicker than he's gone previously in the session not as quick as Robert Renauer through the first sector but it's kind of there or thereabouts having done a 33 and a half second first sector which will lead him onto the Mistral straight Josef Kral is still completing his outlap so this time by the start finish straight we could be something could be on for something a bit special from the Czech driver Marco Fretzer begins his flyer as well so we'll have to keep our eyes peeled here for these three or possibly four cars heading across the line in quick succession. But Marco Seafried's now just gone quicker through that middle sector than Robert Renauer and by a, a decent chunk as well. So uh, let's see what he can do. There's only 16, th 16 thousandths of a second separating Robert Renauer from Marco Seafried, And there's not enough time on the clock now. Well, maybe there is actually for Robert Renauer to return if he's quick. Uh, to maybe offer a response if he ends up losing provisional pole here. Joseph Kral responding as well, Johnny. He's showing purple in his first sector. It's whether or not he shows purple. He's got a 37.072 to, to, to beat in sector two. So all eyes on that number 11 Ferrari as Joseph Kral continues on that lap. You can see how much he's using the brakes. The front of the car just dipping onto its nose. They're almost tipping over there, absolutely on the very edge at the heaviest braking area into the chicane on the Mistral. He's out of the chicane and continuing on the Mistral, heading down to Singh. He hasn't gone purple, but he's gone green, 37.133. Personal best for him in Sector 2. The Vortex, we're getting the message on the screen now, is going to be recovered at the end of the session, but it is far enough off the racing line and far enough from the racetrack full stop to not be a worry, parked up behind the Armco barrier. So every credit to Olivier Gomez for spotting that he'd need to park it up safely so as not to affect the session. 
down through the gears goes Robert Renauer, who has returned, not Marcus Seyfried rather, who is on a flying lap and did not improve actually on his best last time through. Did a 2.02.535. But again, it's a very good middle sector from Marco Seyfried. Obviously loves that part of the track where he's heading onto the Mistral straight and then slowing the car into the chicane as Josef Kral goes fastest by 0.132 of a second. So Kral in the middle cap racing by Scuderia Praha Ferrari outpacing Robert Renauer, who now only has four and three quarter minutes to get back out onto the circuit, if that's the game plan from Herbert that Motorsport. Fabulous lap there. Purple in sector one, two personal bests in sector two and three. Puts that Ferrari of the middle cap racing with Scuderia Praha team onto the pole position. So... Now, have we had a spinner a moment or two ago for it's the Kral. 11, Johnny. It, that is Joseph Kral. Yeah. So on the very next lap, he was pushing again, knowing, I suppose, that he got the banker lap in, which was good enough for provisional pole. It's very dusty offline when you get out into the marbles, though. And I think he's found some of that unstable ground off the racing line into maybe three, four and five and ended up looping the car. Thank goodness that wasn't on the previous lap. So the 202.303 stands... But he will have really uh, smashed those Hankook tyres now after the spin and might have to come into the pits because of that, Joe. I, I think, actually, Johnny, he actually spun onto the off-track. And as we mentioned earlier, that off-track is a very, very rough surface, deliberately made rough. It's a high adhesion surface to stop the car sliding. However, in so doing, it ruins your tyre tread. Yeah. So it'll have ripped the surface of, that, of those tyres to shreds. It's bad enough spinning on the track. But when you spin here at Paul Ricard off track, your tyres are absolutely ruined. Marco Fretzer crossing the line in the red and the white of Kessel Racing and no improvement there. So still a, a 202.992 is Marco's best time. Good enough for fourth at this stage. So Josef Kral with three minutes to go. Fastest to 202.3 from Robert Renauer for Herbert. Marco Seafried also for Herbert. And then the Kessel Ferrari of Marco Fretzer as we get this update from Lucas. Yes, in the pits with Robert Renauer, who, remember, remember, got out of the car first. And then he directly went over there to watch the screen. And he saw his teammate Marco Seafried and said, I think he's even going quicker, that little followed by a word you can't even quote in German. Robert, P2 and P3, as it looks like in qualifying, first you were afraid of Marco, and now the Ferrari came and topped your time. Um, to be honest, I don't care, because anyway, it's a good result for our team with P2 and P3. In the end, we were one-tenth behind the Ferrari, so congrats to them. But it's a 12-hour race. They can start from first, and we finish first. <laughs> you've actually won here twice at Circuit Paul Ricard, and you've always started quite far from the back, as far as I can recall. Yeah, because we always say it's not so important if you go if you start from P5, 6, 7, or for first row, um, like it was in the past. You had, or not in, not not here in uh, Paul Ricard, but for example, Mucello with the splitted race. It's a bit different to the situation now, but yeah. As you said, we are quite good now in qualifying compared to other times, so um, we are lucky with P2 and P3, all good. All right, thank you very much, Robert. Good luck for the race, and now we'll check if Ferrari stays on top.
Yeah, very close indeed still, but obviously the cars immediately behind Josef Kral's middle cap racing Ferrari are not still circulating, so the biggest threat coming from Marco Fretzer due across the line now, and it isn't an improvement, although he did go quicker than he'd managed all session through that first sector, but couldn't sustain that through the next two sectors. So a 203.4 is Marco's effort. A minute to go, and a lap time around here is two minutes. So you w he will get one more thrash around the Paul Ricard circuit, 5.8 kilometres. I think, though, that that Josef Kral time, Joe Bradley, is just going to be slightly out of the reach of Marco Fretzer. Yeah, I think at this stage, Johnny, that was an outstanding lap. It really was from Joseph Kral. You could see how on the very edge of that car's adhesion he was pretty much through every section of this track and uh, particularly into the chicane where it's the slow bits where you can make up most time. Everybody's round about the same sort of speed through the very fast turns, but it's the slow bits, the braking and carrying the speed into that tight chicane on the Mistral. I think he got the time there just just watching the body language of the car, as I, as I say, uh, it was an outstanding lap and certainly beyond the reach of pretty much the rest of this field. Other cars that are still trying to eke out a few more tenths here and there. Pierre Kaffer in the number 18 Routronic Racing by TECE Audi. However, Milan Doncha is in the fueling area and calls time on the session as the chequered flag waves now. And the first car to take it is the 58 David Gosner-driven MP Racing Mercedes. And that was a very good time from David Gosner. Best of the session, a 204.242 that will put the Mercedes, well, as high as sixth. Depends whether he's out uh, pipped in the remaining the remaining cars that still have to cross the line. Marco Fretzer is one of those. Josef Kral deciding to head for the fueling area and not take the chequered flag on the racetrack. Uh, Olivier Gomez out of the session early in that stricken vortex, as we described. We've got Gilles Schmitz, who drives the speed level Porsche, car number 979, due across the line now. And that came very close to an improved time. Really good final sector for, from Gilles but it's a 208.0 that remains the speed level Porsche's best time and therefore third in GTX behind the number 20 SPS automotive Mercedes AMG, which is a, uh, sorry, wrong line. Horst Failmeyer Jr. is the GTX pole sitter, it would appear, and Horst already in the pits in the Writer Engineering KTM Crossbow, uh, which is the fastest GTX car from... Despite Olivier Gomez's uh, problem with the Vortex, still second quickest ahead of Gilles Schmitz. And fourth fastest in GTX is the Philippe Bonnel-driven duo racing uh, Vortex, my brother, the Vortex V8 from the Vortex crew. 991 class topped by Philippe Paulette for the Porsche Lorient Racing Porsche 991 Gen 2 Cup car. So that is car 911 that looks to have taken pole position in the 991 division from Duvo Racing's Porsche Cup car and the Speed Lover example. GT4, well, we only had one car actually in the session because of the repair work, switching from one car to another work that is taking place down at Pro Sport Racing, which is well documented. So the ST Racing, Samantha Tan Racing BMW, the only car to do times 
from GT4. And it was John Miller's effort at 2.15.677 that will put that at the top of GT4. So congratulations to Czech driver Josef Kral for the middle cat racing by Scuderia Praha outfit there, Ferrari 488 uh, Evo 2019 edition, getting pole position with a 2.02.303. And that put them almost a tenth and a half quicker than Robert Renauer's effort in the number 91 Herbert Motorsport Porsche. They're happy still to be starting from the front row, says Robert, and uh, there will be winners tomorrow, which is the more important thing, so he says. Second row is a Porsche and Ferrari combination, and it'll be Marco Seafried after his time of a 202.203 in the second of the Herbert Motorsport Porsches to start alongside the Marco Fretza qualified Kessel Racing Ferrari at 202.982. Then Pierre Caffer's Audi from Rutronic Racing at 203.1 for the German David Gosner, Italian driver for MP Racing in their Mercedes, setting his best time of the session on that final lap, a 204.242 to put the Mercedes sixth. Then Milan Doncia and Valentin Pierberg for car collection Audi and SPS Automotive Performance Mercedes, respectively. The writer engineering KTM Crossbow Pole in GTX, courtesy of Horst Felbermeyer Jr.'s time in 724. He finished quicker than Olivier Gomez's Vortex 1.0 and the speed lover Porsche from Gilles Schmitz. Philippe Paulette's 991 class Porsche from Porsche Laureate Racing was quickest in that class from the second place car of Andre Mukovoz and Dominic Bastien for speed lover. And in GT4, as I mentioned, John Miller did a time of 215.677 to put the ST Racing BMW quicker than Sadly, a non-starting Pro Sport Racing Aston Martin Vantage, but they're working incredibly hard down at Pro Sport to make sure that they're certainly ready for the race and ideally for night practice at 8 o'clock this evening. So, loads happening in that session. Obviously, big congratulations to Middlecat Racing, and I'm sure Lucas isn't very far away from that team to get some reaction. No, I'm actually already next to the pole setter, Josef Kral, who, guys, has actually already invited us for beer. So you might need to do the night practice without us. We'll check that in a minute. First of all, Josef, we need to speak about your lap, which was very, very exciting. Oh, definitely it was, because I really didn't expect that we can improve that much. Because the first laps, I was like, OK, we are on the edge, and the, both Herbert Porsches are very fast and very quick on the, on the track. So I was like, whoa, OK, let's try one more. And suddenly it was good, because the conditions of the, of the track were changing quite a lot, also the temperature. And it definitely helped us, helped us a lot. And uh, when I did the first push, we improved a little bit the tires, and it was there, which was a which was nice feeling. You just mentioned the two Herbert cars. They have won here twice at Circuit Paul Ricard. Do you think they are your strongest opponents for tomorrow? Uh, well, I think definitely, but also the luck. Because we were really unlucky always when we raced here. We never really won here any, any race, always some, some issues. So I hope that, that we solve this, that we can break this uh, unlucky, unlucky races here in, in Paul Ricard and that we will be fine because this is our biggest rival, I think. Once we will be more lucky, I believe that we will be also fast. And our viewers will notice that your pit box is actually empty because you drove the car into the refueling area. Was that a bit of a, a miscommunication or what happened? 
Uh, not really, because I had to stop at the scrutineering. So I was uh, pulled, pulled on the side by the marshals that they can check, uh, check that everything is legal, which I hope it is. I'm sure it is. <laughs> and everything will be fine. Okay, there was a bit of confusion down here. But anyway, that, that doesn't matter. Pole position for you, Josef. Thank you very much and all the best for the race. Thank you very much. Back to you guys. Thank you, Lucas. Uh, be careful. Czech beer is a dangerous thing, as I can testify. Um, so, Josef Kral, quickest. Let's not forget his two co-drivers, Miroslav Vibor, Matos Vibor. They had a good result four weeks ago at Mugello with a second-place finish, so definitely looking to go one better tomorrow. That's qualifying done, but it's uh, not the end of the sessions today because, remember, night practice happens this evening at 8 o'clock Central European summertime through till 10, and we'll have full coverage of that right here on the Radio Show Limited Network of Channels on RS1. Tomorrow's race starts at 10 o'clock, but we'll have a full countdown to Green Show ahead of the race start as well. 10 till 10 tomorrow for the first ever straight through Paul Ricard 12 hours. Part of the 24H series powered by Hankook. My thanks to Lucas Gajewski and to Joe Bradley. You can join all three of us, me, Johnny Palmer, uh, later at 8 o'clock. We'll see you then. Bye for now. This programme is a Radio Show Limited production. Tell your friends there's more at RadioLeMond.com.